Okay. Hi, folks. I'm super excited um, to welcome everybody, all the listeners today. We are going to be speaking with Bap Ari, who is a producer and a DJ and really, really dope, extremely talented. Um, I am actually um, related to her. <laughs> I'm related. We're all related on this call. All right. Literally. Well, basically, the way that we're doing um, today's episode is both of the co-founders, let me mention um, that Cyril Lab is co-owned by myself and my sister, Jasmine Plante. And um, so today's episode, we're actually, it's the two of us who are going to be um, uh, participating in this conversation. And it only made sense for a number of different reasons. Obviously, like I said, we're both, um, BAP RE is <laughs> related to us, but we all kind of have our own uh, separate relationships in different ways. Um, I work in the music space, so we were able to connect in that way as well. Um, and then Jasmine, you know, you can speak to your own experience. I know. I'm like, how are we connected separately? <laughs> it's a very, it's just, I feel like just good, solid human humans. That's how we're connected. They have um, similar musical taste. So um, yeah. if you're tuning in for the first time or highlighting uh, women who are often behind the scenes. In this case, Bapari is not behind the scenes, but she is a music creator. And so there could very well be times where you hear her, you, you have the opportunity to hear her music. And now we're going to be able to uh, learn more about her and talk to her about her career and her journey and just how everything's been going. And so I'm really excited to be able to do that. Um, so just, you know, from the very top, like, at what point did you start thinking about pursuing music as your full-time career? That was surprisingly my last year of college, literally. Um, I went to USC initially to play soccer. Um, and I thought I was going to, I was really into art history um, in high school. So I, my major was art history for a long time. And I was like, that was kind of what I was doing. And then I guess my like, what my expectations of college just like completely changed while I was there. I like realized I didn't want to be an art historian. So I was like, okay, so that's canceled. I'm going to make that my minor because I already have enough classes for it. And then I was like, hmm, well, what should I do next? So then I was like, hmm, maybe I should apply to the business school because if I'm this undecided, at least I know everything's a business technically. <laughs> so that was my reasoning as like general as it was. And then I was a senior. I, I, I only played soccer for a year at USC. So then I like from that point on, after I wasn't an athlete, I was kind of like, whoa, what am I doing here? Like, what am I, what, what do I want to do? Like basically what's my hobby? Like, or like, what is my interest outside of literally just going to class, you know? And I tried a few things and I feel like nothing really stuck. And then um, basically my friend who was like a friend who lived in like an apartment um, like house complex thing near me was like, oh, I just went to like the student radio. And I was like, whoa, what's that? Like, that sounds really cool. And mind you, this is my last, like my last year of college. I was like, 
oh wait I, oh no it was my junior year it was the, it was the end of junior year and I was like okay like that sounds cool I'm gonna go there so I went to the student radio they like told me what their intern process was I had to like log certain number hours and I like did it all within like two weeks left of school like all my intern hours and then from that point you can train to become a DJ I mean like an on-air radio host but we call them DJs whether you're like actually mixing like a DJ would and so I did all my intern hours and they're like, oh, we actually have like positions open and like positions open on staff when like a person graduates. So essentially I actually got a staff position as like one of the newest interns to be the DJ program coordinator. So over the summer, I had to learn everything about being a DJ because I was in charge of the program that changed new, that trained new DJs at the station. So I had to like train over the summer to become like an on-air host and then figure out what those guidelines were so that I could like help oversee the program that would teach new interns to be on air. So that was like my introduction um, to music or like just like, yeah, I guess I had I, played instruments growing up, but like that was my introduction to like something closer to DJing. And then I like in being at the radio station, it kind of just like unfolded from there. Like I got like a keyboard, like a little MIDI keyboard. I like got some DJ software and I kind of just started teaching myself how to do these things. And then from there, it just kind of like snowballed into like, oh, wow, like I actually really do like this. And I, I saw myself either like doing like music, being like a music exec of some kind or working in radio stations or something. I didn't necessarily like know I wanted to be like a DJ or producer at that point. And then my senior year, I realized how much I liked it, how much I liked the community. And then I decided, let me stay an extra semester because I had like a little bit of like wiggle room with the classes and stuff. So I was like, I started taking classes in the music industry school. So I was like, if I stay an extra semester, I can get a music industry minor. And through that minor, I was able to take a few production classes. I was able to take like drums, guitar, and they counted towards my minor a little bit because it's just in the music school. And like from there, I think that's when I was like, okay, then I got more into production. Like a friend of mine gave me a download of Ableton and then it like was just kind of, oh, it just erupted. Yeah. <laughs> Teach yourself how to use Ableton? Yeah. Yeah, I did. That's big. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was like, I was like, messing with it and I think it is because when I was really young I played with around with garage band so I was like oh this kind of looks like garage band a little bit like logic would be a software that's also by Mac so that would be like way more like garage band but I think like because I had played around with something like that as a kid I was just like I was just kind of like so excited by it I was like diving in so it was like it didn't really feel like a chore or anything I was just like really into like learning about it and then when I took classes a little bit later, it gave me like a little bit more of a context to what I was like experimenting with, you know? Yeah, I mean, I do hear that is more user-friendly than some of the other. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've definitely felt as if I want to learn it myself. Um, do it. Yeah, especially, you know, as an a &R because you're giving people, you're directing people on what you want to here yeah like you always need a transfer and you just literally want to go in and just like do it yourself um you know so that's when i'm like yeah yeah maybe like during quarantine i'll pick it up. <laughs>
Yeah. Like a little lesson or something. Like, honestly, I feel like that's always great. Like, I feel like I've definitely had that run into that when like, if I'm working with like friends or singers or something and, and like, they're like, can you make it sound? And they'll like sound it out. And I'm like, uh, what do you mean? Like, what exactly are you trying to convey? You know? Cause there's obviously like, yeah, that's what yeah, I do all the time with mixers or like in-depth things to say. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, quick sidebar questions. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> the next thing. No. So, I mean, it's just interesting. Like even just hearing about like kind of how you sort of dove in in during college but I guess I, I'm also like aware of kind of like you know like kind of what planet of music you ended up in and just sort of like the different acts that people like are associated with in a way kind of loosely saying that but like yeah. you know how how did you start finding I guess your sound in a way like did you already kind of get an idea you already have an idea of what kind of music you want to do at that point or were you just like straight exploring like just different genres no not at all. I think at that point, like the music I was starting to get into, whether that be DJing or um, even like pr producing, I guess, was I was trying to emulate, obviously, some of the music I was listening to. So I guess at first I was way more into like house or deep house and okay. things like that. Um, it's also easier to DJ. It's four on the floor. So it's like every beat. It's way easier to mix. So that was way easier. Yeah. Um, in like, in terms of keeping timing, I think now I, I tend to like veer a little bit in the weird direction sometimes when I'm DJing, I'll DJ some like weird, crazy edits or something or like original tracks, but like, they're not like as, as, as four on the floor, like as, I don't know, it takes like a little bit more, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't know. But anyways, um, yeah, so I was more into like techno or deep house or house music. And I think that was because the people I was around that I was um, DJing with were kind of into that too. And like my friends who I was hanging out with and like going to see these shows were also kind of more, and the festivals I was going to and stuff had that music. Mm -hmm. I think like, the more I played shows, the more I like veered outside of that, the more I was on SoundCloud and like discovering artists, the more I veered outside of that, or I was like, oh yeah, like, it's kind of just like how your, your, your music taste evolves with anything, you know what I mean? Like, you don't necessarily listen to the same bands you listened to in high school, but it's kind of like, that was like my, my intro. And then I guess as I played, as I, after I graduated and I played more parties and I met more people, I think I started to veer into the direction where I'm at now, where it's more like underground club music. It can be like more experimental. It's instead of like, I mean, there's still a lot of techno that people play, but I was in like a different realm of like, it was, it was more like deep house and like upbeat house. And I feel like now I'm in more like underground techno, like more like dance hall, more like footwork stuff, yeah, okay. more experimental, more UK influences. You right. know, like it's yeah. a lot, totally. there's a lot of like other things now. Whereas like before I was kind of only in like that area. Yeah. Um, what do you use for what, what kind of equipment do you use? Do you use equipment? Yeah. Ideally, um, it would be CDJs. Pioneer CDJs, which are just what, like, basically any, like, standard gig would probably have in, like, a mixer. But, I mean, since I, since quarantine, I'll usually, I'll DJ back on literally what I learned on, which is software, which is Tractor. 
so I use Native Instruments Tractor, which, um, and then I have like a little controller for that. So I'll just record through DJing on my computer mostly. Mm -hmm. DJing, how did you learn how to DJ? So essentially I learned how to DJ it was it was around the, the same time of like being at the radio. I guess I would I just googled like best software to DJ and Tractor came up so I downloaded it. And then I basically was just playing around with it and kind of taught myself as well. I mean like YouTube tutorials, you know, are always a thing. So that was that was there. Um but yeah, so now I I use Tractor as well to DJ. If I'm doing like if I, like the few Zoom parties I did at the beginning of quarantine, that was on Tractor. Mm -hmm. um, and um, yeah, when I do my NTS show, I use Tractor as well with a controller. Um, yeah, because I don't I don't have CDJs. That's a, that's another thing. I feel like a lot of DJs um, like CD like access to the equipment that we use at gigs is hard because it's like you don't have four thousand dollars to throw on this giant machinery and how much space is it going to take up and is it is it like also just like a viable thing for you to buy just just because of like I don't know what if you're traveling what if you're moving what if you're I don't know I just feel like it's it's definitely I would like if I were to invest in CDJs I think I would have to feel like very settled and obviously like very like willing to put that in as like an investment you know what I mean Right. It's kind of interesting because I actually never thought about that. Like, I feel like I have, you know, just in the friends I have that are in that world, like, you know, I guess from what it sounds like that a lot of that practice is coming at the gigs themselves and not necessarily yeah. at home. So, I mean, I don't know. I guess my question is in a way, like, I guess when you started doing gigs, like, did you feel kind of like, I don't know, was there, was, did you, were you kind of cognizant of that? Like, man, like, okay, I'm into this. I want to try doing this, but like, I don't have the equipment. Like, did that feel like a, like a kind of, uh, like a hurdle that you had to kind of get past in a way? Um, For sure. So like, I think in the beginning, like I was able to book like a few like little gigs, like around downtown in college. And that's when I was using Tractor with a controller. So I was able to use a controller at those gigs. And the thing is, is like the mechanisms for DJing on controllers versus CDJs are pretty similar, you know, like they're okay. all the same. So it's mm -hmm. like, if you get it down on one, you can probably figure out the other. I think it's more just like transitioning instruments in a little bit of a way. Like it just has like a, a, a slightly different workflow. Okay. Um, but like CDJs, like a few of the parties I would DJ at, at like around campus or something, like maybe like, I think um, like a friend of ours, they had CDJs. So like if we were DJing like a party there, then like, yes, I would be able to like practice literally there. Nice. And I think my last year or my last semester at USC, the um, radio station got CDJs. So I was able to practice on the so, radio. How do you go about developing your sound as a DJ? Like in terms of like, get, like curating music for a show. I mean, at first I think I was definitely like, a little bit more all over, not all over, but like it was still music I liked, but like I wouldn't play those same kinds of tracks now. And I think it just came over time. Like I literally like know that sensation of like playing a song during a set and like, I'm not really feeling it, you know? Like it's almost like I kind of had to like, I think it had to do with a lot about like listening to music and also playing it and kind of just like, a little bit of like trial and error and like figuring out like what felt right to me even if like you're improvising while you're DJing it's like you still are curating like 
a level of that improvisation. You know what I mean? Like you have to create the set list. So I think now I can like literally listen to a song for 30 seconds and know if it's in my set or not. Like it's really easy. Like, cause I know if it like hits like what I literally like, but I think it, it took me a while. And I think the same thing happened to me with producing where I was like kind of producing things that like weren't really for me, but it just like, it's like, yeah, I think it just took time and practicing and figuring out like, oh, like this kind of feels right to me and like feels like authentic in a way, I would say too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's definitely, I think it's often, it's a process. It also came from like attending sets, I would say too. Cause like, then you're also like hearing how other people are DJing too. And like, that can also be like pretty informative or inspiring or something being like, oh, wow. Like I never thought of like playing a song like that in one of my sets or like what kind of music is that that I'm hearing that like maybe I wasn't really exposed to. So definitely also like seeing other people DJ or listening to other people DJ, it was also very informative too. No, it was interesting because I'd say for me that was probably like maybe like early college, early mid college, but like it was definitely from the same kind of music that I kind of like knew in high school, but just sort of like the next generation that way. And so like, I was like, oh, this is hitting a very specific nostalgic bone. But then to, yes, hear, it's nostalgic. And to hear that little UK, like little seasoning on, I was like, wait a minute. I heard at a weird hour and I was like, this is hitting a lot of different nerves in like the best way. Yeah, so it's really I love that. Kind of interesting to, to have your experiences between like, obviously, you know, being a kid from an immigrant family but then also growing up in a specific environment right like having just like not necessarily all black or all Caribbean kids and then going into this other space it's it's really cool to be able to hear that kind of journey in that sort of like I don't know effortless sort of subconscious way so anyway that was just me saying kudos I appreciated that I <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad you, yeah, I definitely, that one was definitely, yeah, reminiscent of that high school era of, like, my old music taste, but, like, I still like that music, but it's, like, bringing it into, like, what's my current relationship with yeah. music? Now I like making, now I like DJing music, I'm like, maybe I want to hear Beach House at the club. Yo, listen, you know? <laughs> Just, just speaking to those influences, like, I feel like already, like, I mean, obviously I know, like, your story because, you know, we're but just to, like, recap on it for those that don't know, like, I mean, to grow, you know, to go to USC, to grow up where you did, but also have, like, coming from a Haitian household and then also moving into a very specific area of music, like, I feel like these are all very different planets in a way, and I can definitely, you know, relate to that, but did you, do you find that, you know, whether it's your culture being Haitian influences you at all, or even like where you grew up and, and how you grew up, like does any of that come into play into your music now? Or do you feel like it's pretty much contemporarily like the people that you're around at this moment? Like, do you ever feel like little, I don't know, like tidbits from like just, I don't know, like artists that you used to like in high school or, or I don't know, like that kind of random Haitian track, like does any of that come into play into your music now? Um, I definitely think like, maybe like a little bit more like subconsciously, like I think I've definitely like started to, or like, I guess further along like my DJ journey, like incorporating way more like Afro-Caribbean sounding music into like my performances or just like my listening sphere. 
I feel mm-hmm. like that definitely wasn't something. Yeah. So I feel like in that way, it, I think it resonated, but I wasn't listening to it, you know? So like when I started listening to it, I was like, oh, I like this, you know? Right. And I think part of it is definitely has to do with like being Haitian and, you know, when you're, when your parents are listening to music, when you're growing up, you know, like it, it embeds itself somewhere in here. Exactly. No, exactly. <laughs> so it comes out in this like new club way. Right. And I'm like, oh, okay, right. well, this is my version of what y'all were right. listening to. So I'm gonna play this, <laughs> you know, so definitely, for sure. Haitian, so how has your family have they been supportive? It was a journey. I mean, as of now, my mom knows I'm a DJ and a producer. And that that's not a question. You know, like, there isn't, like, a, there's no, like, ooh, are you going to become a doctor? No, she knows it's not happening. But, like, you know, when I was first getting into it, I think she was confused. She's like, you're at USC getting your business degree. She was really like, are you going to work at Deloitte? Like, what is, what's going on? Like, you know? And I think it took her, like, I mean, she didn't know about it either. She was like, I re- she just literally just did not get it. And so I think like I had worked at like a few music labels. So I think that kind of made sense to her. But I think when I went like full on, like I want to like create music and perform music, then it was like, I think I had her come to one of my performances with Red Bull where I was like live scoring a film by my friend Alima. Mm-hmm. And we had like Patrice Colors about Black Lives Matter was doing like, um, she did she was like talking over the video and stuff and so like I was like live composing as that happened so I was like you need to come see this because like you'll get like this will be like this will be resonating with you I'm not going to bring her to the club but I was like this is a good event for you to come to this is a good one for you to come see me like do something and she's like oh wow okay yeah 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 so then like over time I think it really just came with um her like being introduced to the stuff by me basically like me talking about like doing radio things her hearing what I was making um I think also like my sister um was doing political science in college and then my sister ended up wanting to start pursuing acting so I think my mom kind of like was already kind of warming up to the idea of like us switching away into like wanting to do more creative things so she's kind of like down that is our whole vibe, I think, at this point. That's great. And I mean, I think um, that's, I mean, I, what, I, what I noticed right away is that you're hardworking, and I'm sure your mom knew that, too. Yeah, because that's another thing, is I think I was, like, in L.A. doing this, and she lives in Pasadena, you know. So there's, there's like, she witnessed a piece of that journey, even if she wasn't, like, at the shows, of me, like, developing this real interest in music, you know? Yeah. 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 When we met, I think yeah i'm working at the radio station i'm a i think were you a person you were you were you were doing all these things and i was like okay true true haitian spirit i love it i just have to tie it all together i was like we're definitely related Um, (laughs) i mean it's funny because it actually just makes you think of like you know i think even from afar i was kind of like peripherally like just watching the company I was like you were in LA and I was like so just in like this New York planet and even just like very interesting what was happening in London but then I remember that kind of moment when um because I had already been aware of the band but when you joined Fufu and or FUP I guess (laughs) but um yeah I thought that was really interesting because like I mean I knew you know obviously just knowing it's my cousin you know, I was aware that you're producing, I was aware that you're teaching, but then you're, now you're going into this live instrumentation doing percussion, right? Like 
doing drumming. So yeah. how that transition? Like, did you have a lot of big, like, did you have a lot of experience in that beforehand? Was that kind of your first kind of foray into that? That was like the first. Oh, actually, I have a band with a friend of mine who I met at the radio station in college. Like, okay, so in college, like I was saying, when I was doing that music industry thing, I took drums. So that's how I learned how to play drums. And so then like me, and I was dabbling with production and I was really into like, at the time, like post-punk music. So me and a friend of mine had started like playing around with like producing and like, and like, I was like messing around with drums. So like, I had like a one previous experience of like being in a band with like someone. Mm -hmm. um, but like Poo Poo was different. That was like a four person, that was just me and a friend, you know what I mean? Like, and that was like a hybrid like production and doing things where like Boo was like a full-on band you know right. and that's just from like knowing Jasmine and Uhuru and like their bandmates had moved away and they're like you can play drums right and I was like yeah I can like play drums I guess and like we had like been friends and like I had worked on music with Uhuru um that day like um I produced music for Uhuru and me and Jasmine have like messed around and made music together like separately mm -hmm. and so like yeah, like Fupu was like the first time of like really, really doing like live music with a band where like you're rehearsing and like preparing for shows that are like just yeah. Every I've never done anything like that live mm -hmm. and acoustic. I guess yeah, I guess they're like yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you feel like that like that experience had any sort of like like influence on your work post that or like was it kind of all just just kind of adding to like your your skill set. Like, did you did you feel like a distinctive kind of shift of like, okay, like I've learned this, I'm learning the skill, I'm like experiencing it in this environment. Like, did that have an effect on your, on like how you develop music after that? I think I realized that I like more than just club music. I liked performing more than just club music, and I liked performing music more than just like more than just like only being a DJ mm -hmm. so I think it proved to me that like I did like um doing things that were considered like more under the umbrella of like a musician and like I really did enjoy like the live aspect of that kind of performance um and I yeah and I definitely realized that like um when it came to production that I wanted to produce more than just like electronic music as well. I think it was just like, oh, I was like, wow, like I do want to do more than just being a, like, didn't like just sticking to like DJing electronic music and dance music basically. Right. So you, you're obviously multifaceted. Like you work in different areas. You don't always find people who DJ, but then also um, can play live music or, and then are also producing, you don't always find that, um, you know, in, in one person. So how do you see that kind of evolving? Do you feel that you're just going to, you're going to continue to kind of do all of it? Do you want to bring it into something, a specific direction? Like, what are your, where do you see it going? How do you see, where do you see taking, like, all of your, your the range that you have? I think it's definitely like I see music like and my relationship is like something that I want to um, develop like as I get older and age with me like I could see myself like maybe in eventually maybe not necessarily wanting to be a DJ anymore but still wanting music to be a part of my life I think that's why I'm really happy like I'm doing 
that I've um, spent so much time and like effort into production because I think like that to me is like where like my I think DJ to me like I think DJing at one point was like my main thing with music but I think now it's definitely more of like a production thing and I think I like production because it is so like limitless mm -hmm. like you can make anything kind of if you like I don't know obviously like put time and energy into it but like I think just limitless and like you can start experimenting with different genres you can start experimenting with different instrumentation like and I think like something that like I've been way more interested in like I've done this once is like I did this once like I was saying for Red Bull but um I've been way more interested in like scoring recently cool. or like doing things that are like more ambient and like coupled with visuals right. um like I do have like um a club EP that I've been working on that should be releasing at some point but like after like but since that like I feel like I've been really trying to create things that like sound like they would be like the soundtrack for something but there is no visual for it almost mm -hmm. like it's up to like the listener to figure out what it sounds like to them or like what they would envision it sounding like so that's where I'm at now so I, I definitely see like music as something that's just like has a lot of free range and like my interests will kind of like guide the path it goes on right yeah no that's that makes mm -hmm. sense. That definitely makes sense. So, um, are there any particular DJs that you were inspired by, or that you are inspired? By? I think there were like a lot of DJs that I've been inspired by, um, and like producers as yeah. well, of course. Um, I think like one like person that specifically comes to mind when I'm thinking about this right now is Fatima Al Kadiri. Ooh. She's um yeah. uh she does like electronic music, um, but like also veers into like experimental mm -hmm. like music and she literally just scored a movie. Yeah, so I think like um she did the Maddie Diop film. Um I think Atlantic. Yeah. Atlantic. Yeah, Atlantics. Yeah. And like, yeah. That was, that was, was like crazy. crazy. I was like, this is sick. I was, was like, crazy. okay. Yeah. I identified with like her path in terms of like music a lot. Where I was like, okay, that's cool. Like you can be like an electronic like producer, DJ energy, whatever, and score a film. I was like, that sounds cool to me. Like, yeah, no, that so was she's definitely a, someone that comes to mind when I think of that. That on a personal level yeah yeah that movie is crazy and crazy. of course no, the story so. really i feel like added a whole other layer to it and i think the fact that you know her background is more electronic like i feel like because of what that theme was and there was like sort of like a i mean i would say there's like a magical sort of realism theme in there i think it, it added that layer of sort of like surrealism that might have been difficult if you were just doing sort of like a I don't know your more traditional instrumentation. So like classical composers. Exactly. Like if you could really identify those sounds, like if it was like a piano or a flute done in like a more traditional sense, like yeah, yeah. that like kind of electronic element was a surprise in a way that really I think kind of sold the surrealism of that film. So how was it getting gigs? Like you decided your gang. The question. <laughs> I want to hear about just like how. And how did you kind of start out? Um, 
landing gigs and how has that gone since for you? It was a mess. Well, like not a mess. I don't want to say that, but like it was so hard and so unrewarding. Well, like it was rewarding because like I wanted to do it, but like, dang, the stuff that I used to do to get gigs, like I would not be doing that right now. Like I'm talking about playing for free, obviously. Um, working with promoters who were not in, they were just trying to make money, not truly had your best interest in heart. And, and basically like, that's the one thing that was hard in the beginning is like how much of the pressure it was on the DJs who are just like starting out trying to figure out and like meet a promoter who obviously is kind of doing the same thing. And they really want their event to be successful, but they end up putting this crazy burden on you to like bring your friends so that like it's full and like all of these things. I'm like, I'm kind of here to perform. Like the whole like promotion is your job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And then you think, and like in those settings, I'm sorry, those are like little gigs, like kind of near downtown. Cause I was at USC at the time that I was able to like go to and play. Actually, my mom would drive to some of those gigs because I didn't have a car then. I love it. She would drive, drop me off at them in like little Tokyo. Um, but yeah, I'm just like, you. I was, you. I brought all my own equipment, you know, it was like six DJs on the lineup. We're just kind of like there to DJ, like for the experience too. Like we became friends and stuff. But it was really just like, you kind of just have to be down to play anything because it's like you have, it's kind of like building, being an intern, you know what I mean? Like you're there for the experience and it's a lot of pressure on you to like make it feel like it's a, it's like a gig and it's real for you. Like other than like gigs around campus, you know, like if there was like, um, like some, there were like a few like houses um, near campus at USC that would throw parties. Like there was a radio house and there was um, like an, another house across the street that had um, a lot of the kids in the art school or like schools like that too. And they would throw little things in their backyard. So like those were like gigs as well, you know, same like practice and being able to practice a lot of people, you know, but like those other gigs, like around downtown playing these little bars were like, were really where I like had to figure it out and like get started. And it was just like through that process, I organically was able to like meet more people, like other DJs and like on SoundCloud, I remember I met like um, a friend of mine who was a DJ and like we just started conversing and like they introduced me to like their friends who were DJs, but they like had like a, a collective. And so I like joined that collective and like that was like my first introduction of like being in more of like yeah, and, and more of like a collective where we're like all putting out music together a little bit, um, trying to book like little like collective events, you know, together. Mm -hmm. So like that became a little bit more like stabilized. And then like me now being like, oh, like now I kind of like a grapple of this. Now I can like maybe throw my own shows now that I have like more friends mm -hmm. at DJ and it's more yeah. like of a communal thing. So like, I remember being like, being able to throw like my first few events like at Los Globos or like, um, or else, I don't know, I'm blanking. But yeah, just find, like slowly stepping out. And then I think kind of from there, it just becomes like you play more, you meet more people and you kind of develop that community. And then I think that's really kind of how it like goes from there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that um, you know, comes up a lot. And I think a lot of times when people are starting out, they're faced with that, um, with making those decisions, you know, like with just needing to decide on whether they're open to 
maybe doing something where they're not necessarily going to get paid. You know what I mean? But a lot of times it's about the opportunity. It's not about what you're going to get paid. It's the fact that you're in a certain space. It's the fact that you are being promoted. Your name is being promoted. You're getting a certain amount of exposure. Um, Mm -hmm. And people are able to, this is how you can build a fan base is by people actually, they're not going to, they can't become your fans if they can't hear you. You know, they start start following you. um, You're nowhere to be found, you know? So it's, so, so that's basically, that was the return on your time. It's often more valuable than just, here's whatever amount of money. It's like, no, you build these relationships. And even though whatever it actually is, is, is one thing from the perspective maybe looking at your Instagram or, you know, just aware of you from that perspective, it's, oh, she's always DJing and getting booked. And and that's, that, that goes a long way, obviously. Right. In our, so, you know, and that was, that's, that was a good attitude to have about, uh, like just how that plays into building your career. Um, to the show you know and yeah. I, a lot of times those are the, the there's certain decisions that you have to make early on but it's really about weighing it out and seeing yeah. way out for you you know or or not and that doesn't mean it's always about taking all the free gigs but if you're like you know what this yeah. is worth it because you know it puts me in proximity to whoever and there's mm-hmm. going to be an audience there and there's a certain brand affiliated with it and you know all those things and it's like Okay, so it's just like, you know, being strategic, but yeah. So actually speaking to like going from some of those like gigs you were paying for free or just like going through that kind of real hustle, like what was that, what was that gig or like what was that show that you're like, okay, I'm like getting somewhere, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I, I could say the examples that I have in my head, but like I'm, I'm just curious from your point of view, like what was that? What was that look that you got that you were like, all right, this is, things are happening? Hmm. <laughs> I have to think, think about that. Cause I feel like there are a lot now that I can think about, but I'm like, there were definitely more like, you know, it's just like a matter of perspective. I almost want to like scroll back and look at my old flyers from Instagram. <laughs> like literally <laughs> because I have them archived. I literally have all of them. I have every single flyer from every show I've ever played in a folder. I love with it. the date on it. Yeah, that's so good. So that like if I ha- if it's actually like in like they like so it says like seven, you know, like ten, eighteen. Okay. So like under it will be like seven, ten, twenty. I'll be like, oh, two years ago I was playing that, but this year okay. I was playing this, so I can like really easily see where I was at. I might need to do a little zine, just letting you know right now. Like that might need to be that might need to. Oh, be- every flyer of every show I've ever hey, played. Just saying, that could be a vibe. I, I mean. I mean, there are like definitely milestones. Like, like I can't think of like a specific lineup because to be honest, I have played a lot of shows, <laughs> but like big things like being asked to play Boiler Room, um, being flown out for the first time to San Francisco. That was a big deal for me. That was for like, um, I was like, that's the first time anyone's paid for my travel and I got paid for the show. I mean, it was a, it was a flight to, from here to SF, but to me, that was crazy. Oh, um, and that was for like a little festival being thrown by these kids that got a grant in San Francisco and I played the stud in San Francisco. So that was like a huge milestone for me. Um, 
playing the bootleg theater was cool for me too because I feel like that's like in LA is a really iconic theater um those are like some of the pop-ups obviously playing my first playing my first shows in New York that was crazy that yeah was I mean I've told what to get to those because I feel like you know, <laughs> those I, are obviously that was a milestone um and then of course radio appearances for me are always like because I start out with radio so whenever I get to do something cool on radio it always like hits really hard so like being on NTS as a guest and then eventually getting my own NTS show was one. Right. Being on Sub Lab for the first time was obviously cool. And then anytime I return to it, um, those are always cool. Yeah, I think it's like the like there's always like a first time of like doing something like any like the first time I perform in any state is obviously going to be cool. The first time have I have I ever performed? Oh yeah, I performed outside the country. I got to perform in um, Australia, so that was the first time I ever performed internationally. Fantastic. So, it yeah, it's like milestones like that, like for sure. How did you connect with NTS? How did that come? Um, up? from being a guest on air of people like I had I before I was in FUPU I got asked to be on a DJ for FUPU radio a few times so I was literally in the radio station and like it was it's like the station is really it's like a few people running it so if you're in there a few times you meet people um and then um Alima had also had me on her show a few times so I was like literally in the NTS station so from there, I just like had met people and then I like submitted a radio show proposal. Mm. Nice. Yeah, like I had, yeah, I had like talked to the man, the station manager and I was like, I have this, I, I, I've been wanting to like submit my thing for a show and then they passed it on and uh -huh. yada yada. <laughs> is that how, is that how the, it normally, do, people, do they normally out or do people, are they often getting picked? I think it's probably a little bit of both. I think like depending on your platform, like that's just how the world works, you know, like some people are offered shows for sure because like they already kind of have like the content that whoever is running it or whoever has the power to give a show is um, looking for, you know? And then maybe like, I feel like in my situation, like I was on the radio, I, I was like DJing, oh, and then when I was in FUPU, I was DJing our radio show a lot. Yeah. I was like the DJ in the group. So yeah. I think in that situation, it's kind of like, maybe it didn't seem like I would need a show of my own, but I'm like, that's kind of the band show. I'm like also like a DJ, you know? So I kind of like have like, like I wouldn't be, I wouldn't DJ what I was DJing. Mm. Um, it, they're just two different shows, you know, just because I happen to be a part of both things wouldn't mean that, you know, like, one would supplement the other at that time. Right. But um, yeah, I think it depends. Uh, but I know that a lot of people like that I know have submitted, pro submit proposals to radio stations, or they'll reach out to someone or it, it just depends. But yeah, it, 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 it depends for sure. Amazing. Well, like, I mean, just speaking on those milestones, like, boiler room, like, I mean, you know, I, rem I personally feel like I, I remember that happening, like, you know, it was really, it was really yeah. exciting from my point of view, just like, you know, my cousin getting that look, but also that set got a lot of love and a lot of attention, like, just how did that, how did that play out? How did you end up getting hooked up with them? How did you feel during that experience? Mm -hmm. By the way, for those who are listening, who I don't always want to assume when knows what everything is what how how would one of you either one of the disciples 
Um, well, Boiler Room is just like a huge DJ platform, literally. Um, I guess they are just like most known for like putting on events. And I guess what makes Boiler Room like very, um, like I guess what they're like staple, I guess, is like these events are captured on video in a very specific way. And usually like the DJ is like where I am and the crowd is like behind me on video. Video. So that's like a staple, like where you would like recognize a lot of Boiler Room videos look like that. But yeah, Boiler Room is like an international event, essentially, right. uh, for underground music. Right. I also um, like the part of it that makes it unique is that I don't, I mean, and granted, you know, there's definitely, I would say there's definitely like platforms that pre-existed that, but I, I think that was kind of the one that hit in a way where, and maybe it was just also like a mixture of the right time, but you were able to get access to all these incredible sets. And in a way, I feel like they weren't so, it wasn't always about like, okay, this is the biggest DJ in the city. It could have just been like, oh, this is just, this is just new music. Um, you know, granted there, are, they, there were other platforms, but I, I do think there was a mixture of like things just hitting at the right time. But a big part of it was the fact that you had access to so many different sounds. And I, and you know, NTS does that, the lot does that. Like there's, there's definitely platforms that are really great at, giving you that diversity. Um, but I feel like from a visual standpoint, like they, they had that signature, as you know, Bakari said, of having the camera. Yeah. Like, you know, having the DJ being front and center, you know, not, uh, it just really captures the energy, you know. Yeah. It wasn't like we weren't at this like low point either. It was literally like you had like a front row, like you were up on the table. Like <laughs> basically, yeah, definitely. Definitely. How did that come about? Did they reach out to you? How does that work? That was basically, I had come to New York um, for my birthday a few years ago, and I had done a guest set. I was a guest on my friend Paula's um, show on Half Moon Radio. Right. And so this Boiler Room was a partnership between Half Moon and Boiler Room. And so they knew like that I was a DJ from LA and so like from them organizing the event and from the people from like Half Moon and Boiler Room and whatever and their whoever was um like selected to organize the event they had reached out to me to just DJ it um just because I had like met people that were um helping organize it and I guess because like yeah when it even though Half Moon is based in New York and they've done um Boiler Rooms in New York this was like a Boiler Room a half moon boiler room collab in LA. So, yeah. yeah. Are you ever nervous when you do your sets? Oh, all the time. <laughs> like, it's really funny. You would think that it would go away, but it really depends. Like, some nights I'm just chilling. I'm just like, okay, let's do this. Like, I'm excited. Other nights I'm like, I'll literally go up to my friends and be like, why am I so nervous? Like, this is so extra. Like, it really just depends on the, like, the day honestly but yeah I can definitely still get very very nervous I was I was I was pretty stressed actually that night of Boiler Room to be honest because for me it was such like it was like a it was on my bucket my DJ bucket you know like Boiler Room like if you're a DJ you want to play Boiler Room like most DJs want to play like underground DJs or whatever like a lot of them want to play Boiler Room so when it actually happened I get to the event and I was I was the closer so here I am at this whole event being like stressing about my set at the end. So I'm there like trying to relax, but I'm just like, I, I'm just, yeah, I'm just like kind of kicking it. I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. That night, it's because I was last, 
and I was kind of there the whole time. I was just getting myself anxious the whole time because I wanted it to be perfect, you know? Because I was like, this is filmed, literally, right. recorded right. in my yeah. face. Oh. I want this to be good. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, I definitely do get nervous. You did something super um, cool and exciting last year. You did the mix for the um, fashion show for a brand called No Sesso during um, New York Fashion Week um, last year, very cool brand, and you did the mix for the show, and it was fire. Um, so how did that come about? Because it seemed like it was like the perfect pairing, like what they were looking to accomplish, it was like a superhero theme, right? And it was like women, yeah. Rappers, like that mix is fire. I'm definitely gonna make that available for the listeners. Yeah, so that just came about pretty organically just from um, all of us having spent a lot of time together and having been hanging out and um, just being in the same sphere and everything. And so, like, when um, that came up, they had just like reached out to me and had asked me, like, if I would be if I wanted to like do work with them on like making the music for that event and so um yeah I think like their their um clothing like for that season had obviously that superhero energy in that theme and so like yeah there's definitely like a theme there and like that was tied in with like the curation of the music so like there was um, basically like some songs that they had given me where they're like, yeah, we want like this to be like in um, the in the soundtrack basically. And then from there it was like it's ba- it, it, it was it was a mix, but it was it was actually a lot of it was like produced. Like I actually produced a lot of it literally like on Ableton. So it was like it was like a hybrid like mix thing where it's like it has edits, it has songs in it, it's a soundtrack, you know. So it was like. Um, something that was like a collaborative thing that like was tied back into the theme of the clothing. You know what I mean? So it was like these sounds evoke the themes and like these sounds need to be tied in and like this is, yeah, you know, song selection, all of those things. So it all ties in to make it like one um, cohesive thing that made sense for like the vision of that um, runway show. Yeah, I mean, I, I always that level of thought um, just in kind of tying it all together because it almost seems like it would be a natural, um, just something that it should naturally complement each other, but I feel the music and the visual, but I feel like they took it even that much further by being so specific. Like you guys took it so specific about the music choices and just sonically like it really captured the energy of the pieces that they were showing and that they wanted to get across visually, um, So, and I think, you know, I don't know, I mean, I know that obviously people for fashion shows and um, I'm sure that they put lots of thought into it, but I just really felt like this was like taken, this was like on another level. And also, um, and obviously I was the only one who thought it because you got that, it was a paper magazine about the mix, about the mix. Obviously, I'm not the only one <laughs> who felt that way about it. Um, it, it stood yeah. on as well. And I think that's what was really dope. Um, so yeah, that was, a, that was a big look. Um, so that was, yeah. Um, I had a question. Then you went on to, oh, go ahead, Jazz. Yeah, sidebar, quick, quick question. <laughs> oh, 
Okay, it feels like I'm sidebar. Okay, mix the sidebar. Okay, anyway. So, I mean, I just feel like I was, like, I remember when you came to New York. Yeah, we hung out. It was, like, so, no, but it was interesting because I feel like it was such a, like, you know, whirlwind. Like, I feel like, you know, you were doing your thing in L.A. And I was, like, you know, aware of just, like, kind of what was happening. And then you, like, came to New York and just, like, hit all the spots. You get all the functions, and I was like, oh. You literally said that to me. <laughs> I was like, my cousin is present. My cousin is present in New York, and literally, I'm just going to the places I go to, and that's where we're DJing, and that's great. But yeah. I mean, that was, you know, kind of fire. Like, you really kind of hit a lot of those just, you know, like, I, w- I, w- I would say if you didn't already have a relationship with that kind of scene or that music, it would be hard to kind of find those places and maybe yeah. even kind of get on those, you know, set lists. So, I, like, what was that experience of like coming to New York? Did you did you like change? I don't know. Like, even just musically, like when you got to certain, like, did, you, did you start like? Did you play? Did you choose different selections? Like did you curate your playlist differently? Like I mean, not playlist, your set list differently. Like I'm just curious. Like between like doing your shows in LA and doing the shows in New York, like did, was there any sort of sonic kind of difference when you when you got here? I think when I came to New York in a lot of ways it's like my sets felt really well received so it almost felt like i was really like i mean i would definitely say like stylistically i can't say it was like some some way like crazy drastically different than like how i perform in la Mm -hmm. all i know is like from the times of like performing in new york before i actually decided to move there which is why i decided to move there it just felt right you know what I'm saying? Like performing in those spaces, it was, and like in, in that way, it's like, it almost encourages, encourages you to like dive deeper into being more authentic. I think like in being in New York, I think my style now is way more um, me than it ever has been after having been there and DJed there and spent time there and gone to the clubs there. I was like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Cause I mean, obviously, I started DJing in LA, but the music community in New York and the and the size and scale of the scene and the amount of resources there for DJs and underground music, it's just not comparable. Right. So, so it's it was so that definitely was like very informative to me because there was more music I could consume, more events I could go to, more free you know small bars that are actually putting people on and actually generating a lot of income i think like that was one thing to me i was just like wow like people are actually really supporting this in a really tangible way whether they're showing up whether they're spending their money and you know what i'm saying like in la i feel like a lot of the times i feel like there aren't as many I think I was blown away by how, well, I mean, also another big thing I realized too is New York is open till 5 a.m. That's a huge thing with LA is like things closing at two really hits nightlife hard because people will come and then by 12 midnight, they're like getting ready to wrap up their life. It's like, that's not how it's supposed to work. And it, and then people obviously don't want to be there at 7 p.m. So that's just weird. So everything is different and also there's are not as many venues like new york has so many real venues dedicated to djing and electronic and that kind of music where i think la it's really heavily centered live music so if you're not a band if you're not a singer it's not like all the venues in hollywood all the venues in like silver lake highland park it's like a lot of the parties in la that were like bigger parties that i would compare to like something 
like the bigger events or like even like an event like at now that has how like is that nowadays of that size i'm like we'd have to find like a warehouse in la to say right no i mean it's, it's <laughs> like, you, say that, you know it's not even like the uh, same so right. yeah, that's, that's so real and i think when you're in it it's like you don't really think about just the sheer amount but i think when you got here and just like i don't know it was interesting it's like i felt like you like you know you really just like effortlessly kind of you know slipped into so many of this these different places and it was funny because I started realizing I was like oh there's there's definitely really it, this is like a very real scene that is very just like it's diverse and you can really experiment and explore so many different types of music and there's space for it and I think it, 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 it it's a testament to the amount of spaces there are that you know allow for these kind of um, genres to really flourish so I mean from my point of view it totally makes sense that you're able to kind of really kind of sink your teeth into like what you're already exploring because yeah I mean you know, it's almost like a joke how many places there are that almost have, yeah, it's like, but it's it, in a way you almost feel like it's like you're taking it for granted because there's just, there's so many good ones and they and they really, in a, an authentic way, support like, yeah, even yeah. if you're coming through for a weekend, they're like, yeah, come through, no bar, nowadays, hollow, mood ring, you know, yeah. there's just, you know, there's, there's quite a few, so it's great. I'm glad I think it's, <laughs> yeah, I think it's cool too because then it legitimizes your pursuit of wanting to be a DJ because I think it, it can it was hard at sometimes in LA for me I think that's why I was so I literally was down to move a month later you know what I'm saying I like went to New York was like I feel this this is cool I I was like, I <laughs> but it's because I think I, for so long I was kind of feeling I'm like I'm playing the same bar I'm playing the same thing over and over every week and I felt like I wasn't growing and I felt like I had like hit like a ceiling like a really serious ceiling I'm like what I literally was asking myself, like, what am I doing next? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not, you know what I mean? Like, I had my own event on Wednesdays at this place in Chinatown at General Lee's, and I would do that, like, once a month, you know? So that was kind of, like, my little thing. But then, like, other than that, it's, like, I felt like I had played a lot of, like, really nice parties here, but, like, it, it, it just, like, didn't have the same, like, room for growth in that way. Like, it just, like, yeah, it just didn't have as much resources. And it just made it, yeah, it made me start like questioning. I'm like, should I be doing this? Like, maybe I should be steering a different direction because it doesn't seem like there's more for it to give to me here, you know? Yeah. Do you see yourself going back to New York once this clears up? I have a new plan. <laughs> so, my new plan is. Yeah. Since I've been in this COVID quarantine of confusion, I don't have gigs right now. I mean, you guys know I've been putting out a lot of edits. That's because I've had like a lot of time. And it's, I think edits are a really fun way to like produce, but not like put that pressure on yourself to like make like an original body of work. And it has these like, I think edits for me have become like, I want to play, I want to produce more things that I can play at the club, but they're also accessible. People like them, you know, they're yeah. fun. But I think I've, in all of this realized that like um maybe yeah i definitely could see myself going back to new york but i think i'm starting to like really consider um going back and getting my masters in music production or i think a lot of schools call it music technology or they're called sonic arts okay. so my two places or i guess i'm only applying to schools in three places New York, because NYU has an, 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 a really, really, really good um, music technology program. It's like production, audio engineering. So I'm like, if I really want to do like this 
if I want to do film scores, if I want to do blah, 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 I'm like, I just feel like if I really want to do this beyond um, like what I'm capable of teaching myself, like it, school sounds cool. Now that I know what I want my career to be, you know, because <laughs> in college I didn't. Um, so maybe that, um, I was going to apply to Columbia. They have like a sonic arts um, program, which is like more about like installations and creating like bodies of work surrounded by art, which I could so good. Doing. Yeah. And sure. then I found a bunch of schools in London. So I might have applied to school in London. Have you got a London with that? <laughs> I know. So, I'm like, I might beat you there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I was like, that's another place where I, I feel like I really enjoyed being in New York because of how much I was able to explore and expand. And then you and me talked about it. I was like, I think the next place I could go to is London. I was and then I found one. Yeah. Yeah. London just makes sense musically. Um, and I want to keep exploring different places because I feel like that is, has been where I grew the most um, when it came to music. And then the last place I found one um, applicable program in Berlin. So I'm going to apply to them. And then, I don't know, maybe between now and then some crazy thing will happen to me and I won't go to school. But I'm going to apply. That makes sense. I have a lot of time. Nice. And then we'll see. No, but I'm yeah, I'm planning on leaving LA. <laughs> your way as much as this year is like so chaotic there's almost space to do that exploration because everything is at such a standstill that it's like Definitely. if you know like they're like obviously nightlife is rough right now and there aren't all these parties and there aren't all these like you know this this whole realm is like it's it's kind of it's you know it's a real bummer obviously like that's a huge it's a real source of income for a lot of people like in this whole gig economy but at the same time, I feel like, yeah, if you're an artist, like, it's a good time to just ship out and not feel that pressure of, like, oh, shoot, like, I'm missing out on this whole scene that's happening. So, yeah, I support that. Yeah, we'll see. Because yeah. the one thing I also liked about the programs in London is you can get your master's in a year, the ones I found. And right. the ones in, in New York were two. So I was, like, one year where I just, like, go hard in London and, like, do a pro crank out a program in a year is really yeah. cool and also london um, but nyu program is really good too so i was also like i'd be really down to obviously come back to new york because i obviously really liked it so uh, that makes sense and like in a funny way if you did go to london like london's smaller but in a way that it's it's very different from la like i mean it, it, i think it shuts down earlier than new york but i don't know there's just like it's like their smallness to me helps them. Like everyone, it's like everyone puts each other on and it's like they have such incredible kind of like, you know, between the days and confused and, you know, like I just feel like there isn't this kind of wall that I think happens in the States sometimes between like everyone on the come up and sort of these like larger kind of entities. Where yeah. It's like, choose you. Like I feel like if you're good and, you know, someone can see your point of view as a creative and, and you're, you know, whether it's, at CSM, or, you know, just on something that where they can kind of really help your journey or help your career, like people will invest in you and believe in you. I, from yeah. my, again, I mean, I, you know, obviously I spend more time in New York, so I could also be like just having my, projecting my own ideas as well. But I just yeah. noticed that like, you know, I would, I would see somebody that was killing it, you know, at least in like a fashion realm, but they were still in school. Yeah. Next thing I know, like, man, like, you know, someone's, their their shows getting real attention even just in grad school so yeah I think, I think that makes sense I feel like that would be a sick move so you were um you spent some time in Berlin right I have been there like a week yeah I've spent time in Berlin were you um gang or what were you doing 
I was visiting a friend and I was, um, yeah, I was really just, it was just recreational. I was just there to, one of my friends moved there and I, I actually had a few friends literally moved there. So I was there, I saw a bunch of them. And obviously Berlin has like a really embedded music scene as well. So I actually got to go to like Berghain and witness like the iconic, you know? Yeah. So um, that's also, I think I just want to be anywhere where like production and night, like nightlife and underground communities are taken pretty seriously. Right. You know, and I think all the places I listed do that. And I mean, all the programs I found were in English. So that was also... (laughs) Uh, like the the one in Berlin is in English too so that's why I also added it to the list so that was helpful and for those you would need to physically there they're not remote yeah I'm waiting to I I, I'm applying for next fall so hopefully but I don't want to do online instruction I would want to do like especially if you're like in a studio I'm like I want to be on the equipment (laughs) if they just were offering remote because of COVID I, or yeah. I offering, you know, in-person classes yet. Um, yeah, exactly. That's why I was waiting, kind of. So you went on tour with Steve Lacey. You were his yes. How was that? Well, how did that come about? And how was that experience? Was it um, a national tour? Or what, what were, how many dates? And how was that? So that was because a friend of mine, Alima, who I also worked on that that score with, <laughs> she was his tour DJ before, and um, she does a lot of film. She's a DJ and does music stuff, but like um, does a lot of film stuff too. And so she was actually having to do a film festival. So she's like, I can't go on tour for his Japan dates and his Australia dates. I'm gonna recommend you. Mm-hmm. So um, she like basically put like, I don't remember what the person's name was who I spoke to directly was at first, but she put me in contact with someone who reached out to me and was like, would you be available? Blah, blah, blah. Back and forth discussion. At one point they were like, actually another DJ confirmed were like before me had confirmed, like they had asked them and they got back to them and like, and then that person canceled. So then I ended up going and doing the tour. And then from that tour, so those dates were two shows in Melbourne, Australia, one date in Sydney, and then one date in um, Tokyo, and then one in Osaka, Japan. So it was um, basically, uh, yeah, Australia and Japan for those tour dates. And then that's when I was able to play that party in. in Melbourne it was the night it was on um maybe it was it was the I think it was our last night there so it was really fun like Steve the whole crew like we all became like really tight so they all came to my gig after we played the show at um this I forgot what the venue's name was that we played at but they all came to my show afterwards and we like had like a fun time because it was like our last night in Melbourne before we flew to Sydney so that was fun you see you enjoy that you see yourself more of that or like how how did you feel about that like how'd you feel about it um that experience to me was extremely eye-opening about like what DJing could be outside of just like me DJing like I really liked it that I think was like a really cool way of bridging like my um 
like we were saying like about fufu like live music mm-hmm. and literally DJing at the same time like that was like really cool so it was like I was DJing for something outside of like electronic music and like another thing that was really cool that is um for that for those tour dates I was also opening so I would do like an hour set um before um Steve went on so I was like DJing for an hour to the audience and like that was really interesting to me because I was like at the beginning was like a little really nervous about that because I'm like they're all Steve fans he has like you know he plays like alternative rock and like you know like he has like a very like he has like a very like unique sound and like his audience is like you know looking for that sound so I'm like what am I supposed to DJ to keep these people occupied because if I'm at the club some of this stuff sounds really industrial, you know, like, I'm like, I don't know if these things, these worlds are supposed to blend like this. Yeah. But like, so in the beginning, I was like, kind of playing like, some like, more like house music and techno, you know, which is like, not stuff I usually play, but like, I like that music too, because I was like, I think that kind of is like, closer to like, what they were. But over time, like, the whole crew was like, play the stuff you were playing that night, we went to that party you did. So by the end of the tour, I was just playing the stuff I play at parties. And the crowd, like, they kind of, they were vibing with it. So, like, that to me was, like, a really cool experience. I think I really did love traveling and performing in different places. Like, after that happened, my plan was, like, before COVID, obviously, happened was to, like, go to Europe for the summer and, like, travel around and, like, do gigs, like, throughout Europe and stuff, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I was, like, going to start reaching out to people and my friend who, like, helps manage me, like, was re- goes, was literally sending emails to like be like let's go like we're getting these dates ready and yeah. then we canceled that so yeah. but no I think I def that was like a really great experience for me for me because I would like love touring like for yeah. sure yeah it takes a special person to love touring you're roughing it you know what I mean yeah yeah so yeah I mean I just know that a little little challenging a little difficult yeah it was definitely like of course it's a lot of work like you have to like leading up to the tour you got to rehearse on tour you aren't necessarily getting a lot of sleep there's a lot of traveling you also want to enjoy that's that's the only thing that can be like a little bit sad is like when you're in a city you're having so much fun exploring it and you're like we gotta go like at 6 a.m like you can't be here anymore and you're like wait I was just having fun here and then you gotta go somewhere else I think we literally only spent like 24 hours in Sydney and I was so dead. I like spent the whole day in bed and then we like played the show and then the next day we left, you know? So like, I didn't even like see Sydney like that. So yeah. Oh, that's what it is. It's like, you're just literally traveling at a a certain time and you guys were driving or flying from one city to the other. We were per country. Okay. So obviously we had to fly off to Melbourne <laughs> from LA and then we had to fly to Sydney because I guess, yeah, they're pretty far apart and then flew to Japan. The only time when we didn't fly between cities was in, um, from Tokyo to Osaka. We actually got to take a, tra- we took a train, like a bullet train or something. That was the most insane thing. We were just like seeing like Japan on a train like it was like watching a movie like we literally on this train ride went through different weather conditions at one point I was witnessing snow and then it literally in a different part of this country was sunny I was like how far are we traveling but that was the one time that we didn't fly but yeah that was the train is this like your fun fact played 
uh, soccer position. Yeah, my my yeah my manager thinks that it's fun to include, so we keep it in there. <laughs> it's the Haitian national soccer team. Yeah, the I played for the women's national soccer team for a summer. That's amazing. So where did you, did you play in Haiti? Or did you play here? No. The, okay, so obviously, well, we know because we're Haitian, but the Haitian earthquake happened, right. so their stadium actually was destroyed so the women's so the haitian um, national team stadium collapsed in haiti so actually i was training here in indiana and i actually actually i think their coach passed away during the earthquakes i think as a result of that so with the haitian national team at the time i was playing for usc and i mean my name is ariel baptiste so i think by deduction, the coach at the time of the national team figured out I was Haitian and he he figured it out because I mean I was playing for USC so I was you know I think he could have assume I kind of was good at soccer yeah. so he like reached out to my coach at USC and was like and my coach told me about it and then um, that summer after my freshman year I went to Indiana because the coach at the time I forget where exactly he was from, but he was an Eastern European guy and he um, had like a club, a soccer club in um, Indiana, but he ended up taking over coaching the women's team um, for Haiti. And so all the girls from Haiti were like living in Indiana and training there as a team. And um, so like we were playing like as the Haitian team and we were also playing um, we were playing as the Haitian team and also like as a club team. So we had like friendly games and blah, blah, blah. Nice. Um, yeah, that was a crazy experience. I was just like, it was a little bit of like a shock to me because like, we're like, you know, first generation Americans and like our parents are Haitian, but like here I was actually like living with like girls from Haiti. Um, I don't speak Creole. So I think in the beginning they were even a like, a little bit skeptical if I was like actually Haitian. <laughs> and then my mom um, at one point visited me with my sister and like when they met my mom, they're like all excited because she actually speaks Creole and stuff. They're, ca they're calling her, they're calling her Mama Ariel or something. Cause like right. my mom, <laughs> that's what they were calling her. So yeah, that was definitely a really interesting experience. It was cool, but it was definitely, um, it was unique because it was kind of isolating. Like we were in South Bend, Indiana, not much going on. We had two a days every day. So I was really just like kind of playing soccer and nothing else. And I wasn't with any of my friends. Um, yeah, so that was, it was interesting, but I mean. Yeah. I mean, to go from like us having a conversation about your touring in Australia and Japan and then jumping to this conversation of being in India. It's just interesting, like, <laughs> you're probably, your touring kind of experiences of being so, like, drastically different, but no, that's Yeah, crazy. I feel like my life before playing music was drastically different in terms of, like, what I, my hobbies were. Like, I feel like I had played a few instruments growing up, but, like, I basically played soccer. I was mostly, like, my main extracurricular throughout like my life was like just like sports like mm -hmm. I would play so I played club soccer forever and then in high school I would like do like volleyball and track as well and then like aside from that that was kind of like 
it for the most part, you know, like I wasn't really doing um, music or anything like that. Like I liked art stuff, you know, that's why I really liked art history. And I really like had like, I think an interest in, in, in creative stuff. I just didn't have like a tangible way of practicing it for myself right, right. until later. Yeah. Do you think that athleticism um, contributes to your you work or the way you approach your work at all? I think there is like, I think like in, when you're playing like any kind of sport and it gets like to a certain level of competitiveness, there is like a thing where like you're told like, you know, things like push through the pain or like keep going or like, you know, something basically like mind over matter, like when you're physically exhausted doing something that's very taxing or trying on your body, whether that be conditioning, playing a game, like pushing to the last minute. Also things like, I think like losing, you know, like when you really want to win or something, like I think that's all, I feel like those things definitely in some way tie into like how I approach things. Cause like, I don't expect for like everything to work out, but I feel like, there is like a drive there where like I know I want to like win or like get what I want or like get to that next level or like achieve something but I also know like sometimes it's just like not gonna happen and also like yeah I guess like pushing through things like being mentally like um strong I guess in a way even when like your energy is fatigued in whatever capacity so yeah, I guess like I would definitely say it was informative in yeah. life lessons or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think well, I, I noticed uh, you were talking about like in in when you I remember when you came to my office and you were um, oh yeah just you know we were talking about what you were doing. I just remember hearing um, a level of confidence. Found it like you were also very open to hearing to learning, to feedback, um, and just applying whatever information was shared and followed through, like, great. I mean, instant responses, you know, anytime we were communicating. I mean, I do think that a lot of, I, I, and this is, you know, I didn't know as an athlete, but I do think that there's like a level of discipline that comes with being an athlete. And mm -hmm. you know, there's discipline, but there's also, uh, going after a certain outcome and also knowing that it's you to make it happen. You know what I mean? So let's see. So as a black woman, do you feel that that's ever been an obstacle for you? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I think anyone, okay, I'm going to, I'll stick it clear, specific to DJing and music production because we could go all in a lot of ways with this. We can go all the I ways. We can go a lot of ways with this. So let's keep it specific. Uh, um, with DJing and production, how many times have me or people like me felt like ignored, um, like undervalued, underappreciated, overlooked, disrespected? It's like countless. Like I think there are a lot of hurdles when you're in like predominantly like when you try to practice anything where I mean it sounds like I'm talking about everything in the world 
I'm about to say like white male dominated spaces, but I'm like, what isn't? But right. um, so when the when like the pin when like the person that get res- gets respect is like the white guy because that's whatever it just like comes with a lot of things like I guess for me like a few instances for example are I was DJing an event that obviously I was booked for and I was the DJ and um I had played I don't know I was coming to this gig and I was standing I was like on next and I was like standing in a location because I was getting ready to perform and this kid I guess who was running the event comes up to me and is like you can't stand over her you can't stand over her like like moves me as if like I'm gonna like unplug a speaker or like do something like it was weird I was honestly I didn't really even register what was going on because I just thought it was really bizarre and confusing I'm like he clearly is like a stressed out promoter like I whatever like I don't care I'll literally go stand by the bar mm-hmm. and then I perform and then after my set this same kid comes up to me and it's like oh my god I am so sorry I didn't know you were a DJ like or one of the DJs like blah 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 I was like oh so like you did think I was doing something sketch like you didn't think I was supposed to be where I was and had you known that I was performing you were okay with with me being there like okay got it got it so I wasn't um another time was I was with my friend who's like a white guy blonde hair blue eyes one of my really good friends since I was growing up um I think this was when I was in San Francisco (laughs) or maybe it wasn't when I was in it was might have been in LA he was just with me um and explain to me why at my show they're talking more to him about like what's like it's almost like they thought he was the DJ and it wasn't me and even if I was the DJ they were talking more to him about like stuff than they were to me and I thought it was so weird I was like he's not a DJ like he's here right. with me he's not he's not my manager this is like my friend I brought as like right to hang out with me like yeah. you know what I mean stuff like that yeah. um yeah. Playing events with guys of all colors and whatever, um, for some reason, being really close to you while you're performing when their set is done or isn't for an hour. I don't know why that's a thing, but I've experienced that. So many of my friends have experienced that and we've experienced it with similar people and being like, why? And have not, and like, so crazy that like we have to spend time after an event discussing if we're crazy that yeah. we felt uncomfortable by the presence of someone and then when you see like if I'm getting that treatment and then someone comes on after me who's a guy and then all of a sudden space is all cleared everyone attentive there. I'm like why were y'all up on me while I was trying to do my thing like just like I think it just has to do with like maybe like the perception of like um like femmes or people of color like not just not holding people like people don't respect the space or respect the um like um they just don't respect the space in the same way and they don't respect um your talent in the same way like i feel like your talent comes into question a lot more like um like oh my gosh having to do back to back sets Okay, I'm getting, I just get my charger. Please continue. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember having to do like, should I wait to jazz, for Jasmine to come back or should I just keep going? No. We can continue. Okay. Oh, okay, cool. Um, 
I, I um, remember having to do back-to-back -back sets when I was like kind of learning how to DJ. Mind you, like we were all learning how to DJ, but like having to, like practicing like with guys and like them like constantly correcting the knobs that like, you know what I'm saying? Like them like constantly like overdoing what I was doing while I was DJing. I feel like that's like a huge thing that I've noticed when I like, have like played like casually DJed with like Back, gone back to back with guys is like they just like have a need to correct how I'm DJing or something because it's not how they DJ wow. and even if I don't like their technique it's not like I'm constantly reaching over and I think it's just there are like a lot of just like of those minor things like you would really only notice like like I, they obviously don't notice or necessarily care that they're doing it and they're not noticing that they're impeding on my like experience either which is also something i've literally i mean you can watch that boiler room video my set got disrupted twice and i was the only black woman or femme on the lineup and i was like hmm that's weird right. so my set you can literally see it on video got interrupted twice on camera which was exhausting for me because like i was saying that was a huge moment for me um so like i think like the the and I remember when that happened a lot of people were like had or like a few people had seen it and a few people were saying like how like similar things happened to them and I think it was triggering for a lot of people because it just reminded them like that this happens so frequently and like for no like for no like real reason like I think it like took so long for like I wasn't even like really trying to engage with that like I was just really like drained by that situation and everything. And I just remember just like being like dragged into just like conversations of like toxic energy about it. And I was just like, y'all need to go figure that out. Like if you're like feeling stressed about it, then figure it out. But yeah, just like things like that. I just think, and then when it comes to production, I think that's another thing, just like the lack of representation in the music industry of just like female producers or femme producers or non-binary producers or anything I think it's also one of those spaces is just like guys in their laptops oh, yeah right. making everything oh, these guys like when you say that they're correcting you it's like is it that their ego that they feel like they be in a position to show you something right. yeah. you're bringing to the table um, so it's just and it's so many different uh, things happening there and like you said why do we have to um, take the time to be you know figuring out whether we're the crazy ones like that's just yeah. another, that's like a other another just layer of um, um, training and exhausting and it's like we're there to just do our jobs and do our yeah and I, I mean, it's funny because I feel like you're really seeing it you know even just to like zero out like you're seeing this year a lot of interesting things happening because I think you know I think it's speaking to especially this idea of kind of your your physical space being violated in some capacity or being kind of infringed. I think it, there's something that's really fascinating about that because I think, you know, especially when it comes to things where there's there's like a mechanical element or, you know, instrumental. It's like as soon as there's where it's something where the... There's like a technical aspect. Yeah, like a technical element to it. It's like there's yeah. almost this kind of immediate... This is my realm. And yeah, is exactly. You're, you're, and you're in it. 
And so it's, it's just that to speak on, like to even speak on just, just the space, the spatial element, whether it's whether it's in you know a club or in a or in a recording studio. I mean, even as a designer, I've had the exact same experience yeah. where literally like how you know a lot of it a lot of that sort of like disparity came through like physical intimidation in some capacity whether it was over or subvert so to think of like kind of you know as i said like zeroing out on what's going on now so much of why this revolution kind of popped off was obviously people's like you know obviously police brutality i mean that's all completely physical and that might be the extreme of it but when you know when you tick down into kind of like the realities of like intersectional, you know, intersectionalism, it's like, this is happening within, you know, within the community it's, as well. And it's not just yeah. about, you know, I mean, the brutality element is like the extreme, but then, you know, it, it does get more nuanced into those spaces where like, you're really just, you're there to do what you do. You, you have that experience, you're there for a reason. And it's something yeah. so simple where they're not even thinking of that, you know, leaning in and, and fixing your knobs or just, or just like literally impeding yeah. your face. So that's, I think that's really interesting. I, I have, there's such a simplicity to that that I think happens in every single realm that I think there could probably be more focus on that. Cause I don't even, I don't want, I don't want to like under, I don't want to give them the benefit of the doubt. Cause I, I do think, you know, a lot of these things are kind of, you know, implicitly done, but yeah, I mean, it's something so simple that I think just happens in all these different spaces and just to hear, what your experiences have been, whether it's in a production space or a club, mm -hmm. you know, I'm just thinking about my own experiences, even in a design space, like they're creative, but they're technically, you know, quite different, but yeah, no, like I will tell you those similarities are very real. So it's, that's yeah, that. exactly. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about what's ahead. I know you, you were working on a project, you're um, applying to different programs. Is there anything else you want to share that we should know about that folks should check out? Mm, I think right now, I, I like I was saying, I put out like a lot, a lot of edits. Mm -hmm. um, oh, I, it's actually funny, like timing up right now. I think there are songs that I've produced for people that are going to start being released oh. that I did like a while ago. So it's kind of, you know, how it takes for things to release. Right. Um, so my friend Saturn is releasing um, one of the singles that I produced that should be coming out, they told me, but I forgot, maybe in like a month or two. Um, I just feel like I have a few, like I have, I have a few remixes in the pipeline. I did like a remix for um, Jasmine Infinity, um, her, her label, yeah, her label in um, San Francisco, Molly House Records. Um, the person who runs it is Devo. Um, and he's a friend, he's booked me before, he's a friend of mine, he asked me to do a remix for her, so that should be coming out at some point. Um, I did another remix for um, a friend of mine, Timo, um, they just dropped their EP, so that remix will obviously follow, and those things should be released, like, on everything, on, like, every platform as well, so, yeah, those things are just, like, in the pipeline, it's just, like, I'm just, seeing when they drop <laughs> and then my project is done and that's going to be released i haven't pit, picked a release date i'm going to be like filming a video with olima again <laughs> um next month and, or this month actually and then i'm that's going to be released on fake accent which is tiger paws label so yeah. i'm just going to talk with d1 tiger paw yeah. about figuring out when that's gonna drop and mm -hmm. then 
so yeah basically it's like these projects that I feel like I've had and worked on and like finalized over the course of the last year or two are like gonna be out which is kind of cool for me as I decide to like dabble in like making film scores for nothing <laughs> yeah, that's super exciting. yeah it's working um is that even it allows you to when you move on your work is still working for you yeah that's what I realize it's kind of cool it's like those things in the pipeline it's like yeah I can start experimenting with new things as they are churning out so yeah mm -hmm. it's, that's I definitely like that and that's how it tends to be if there's going to be real attention put into uh, proper release and rollout it's not I mean obviously these days we can just create and release right away but it's ideal if you do have some uh, proper setup um, that goes into the release of the of the record so um, yeah yeah so and it's always amazing when everything lines up and yeah. back so you're like mm -hmm. wow. <laughs> yeah I'm excited that like these things will come out before my original or EP comes out because I feel like it'll shed light on like what my production style has turned into yeah. so like to me I was like oh that worked out really well actually no oh, that's so dope that's yeah. awesome you. it's like such a like I think so too it's a yeah. great problem. and you can obviously as they're releasing you're also able to you know you can cross promote and you can yeah right all the promotion that they do around it and then that will then um you know, you'll benefit from that once it's time to drop yours. So it's almost like all of that, all of those releases are contributing to your rollout. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, definitely. That's how I see it for sure. Wow. This has been a nice lengthy conversation. Um, yeah. <laughs> very interesting. And I think, you know, on, on I definitely want to have a range of um, people in different, you know, people in different spaces, um, who are creatives and also who are at different points in their careers. I definitely have some folks who have, you know, maybe 20 years in and they're super established. Um, and then you have some who are still earlier students. Mm -hmm. I think it's just good for people to hear what's going on in people's careers, especially if things are, are working, um, you know, hear about that journey and what's gone into it, the positive, negatives because I think you know the big thing with creative careers is that you don't always you don't really have a blue you don't always have a blueprint you kind of have to um, a lot of it is uh, you know you're learning on the job you're learning from other people conversations mentors and obviously you need to know your craft but in terms yeah. of making a career and then navigate the space so that you can be successful that's the part that's not it's not easy, you know? So I, I find that in, in these spaces, it's so valuable to speak to other people and it's so valuable to hear what different people's journeys have been. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad we got to, you know, chat. Yeah.